Blog Talk Radio. And I said, my seed is blessed. My body is blessed. My body is blessed. It keeps happening. And then we'll cover our family. I cover it.
and God bless you. God bless you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You are listening to Global Gospel, and I am your host for this afternoon, Reverend Lamar Townsend, and I agree with Key Era Sheard shared on today that it keeps happening for me. My seed is blessed. My money is blessed. My body is blessed. I'm making better decisions and we're destroying every addiction because it keeps happening for me. And we have to decree and declare the word of God over our life that it keeps happening for me. Open doors everywhere. We thank God for another Saturday that God has allowed us to share with you, you, and you global gospel. We don't own the rights to any of the music that you hear today, but we pray that every song, every word of inspiration and encouragement is a blessing to each and every one that listens. We are here every Saturday from 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. at www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel. If you would like to reach out to Global Gospel, you can write us at P.O. Box 5331 Hempstead, New York, where the zip is 11550. If you would like to email Global Gospel, you can email us at globalgospel17 at gmail.com. We are on social media. We want you to reach out to us on social media. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Tumblr. Please send us a friend request. And certainly we will be delighted to share with you through the days and through the weeks words of encouragement, words of inspiration on each of our page, on our Facebook page and our Twitter page and our Tumblr page will take you directly to our link for the show. And all you have to do is go to that embedded image and click on it and you can listen. All our shows are archived. So we encourage you to go back and listen to those shows that perhaps you have missed over the weeks, months, days, and years. There's something there to encourage each and every one of you. We would like to shout out all of our listeners, uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, Michigan, uh, wherever California, wherever you may be, Canada, the West Indies, China, uh, Australia, India, uh, Asia, South Africa, Ghana, wherever you are, we thank God for you and you and you. All of you are special in God's sight. Our theme here at Global Gospel comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 3, and it simply says, If the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And today we offer the gospel of Jesus Christ to you, for the gospel is good news. It is glad tidings. The gospel tells us about the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And no matter what you're going through on today, know that God cares. He sees all And he knows all. And the gospel is here today to heal you, to save you, to deliver you, and to set you free. And all we have to do is keep decreeing and declaring over our life those things that they are keep happening for me. And I'm excited about that song. That is one that's on my repeat 
list for the past couple of days because sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Amen. We do have a special uh, guest that will be sharing with us on this Saturday afternoon. Uh, we want you to stay tuned because uh, we uh, try to reach out to a variety of people because everyone got gifts in a different way and certainly everyone has something to share and everyone can reach somebody in a different way in a different area of their life and so we thank God for all those guests that participate with us and we also want you to reach out to us if perhaps there's something that you would like to share you have the information reach out to Global Gospel and certainly we will be excited to hear from you and certainly we will be glad about it this uh, next song as we prepare to go into our next segment the song says don't call me a conqueror because I'm more than a conqueror stay tuned and be blessed No, not just a conqueror I'm not just a conqueror But I'm more than a conqueror I'm not just a conqueror No, not just a conqueror I'm not just a conqueror But I'm more than a conqueror the fight is fixed, I know I'll win, I won't give in, cause I'm more than a conqueror, my walk is strong, and my faith is long, I can't, can't go I am not a conqueror, but I am 
to really lift up the injustices, interconnected injustices of poverty, racism, and militarism. Um, and as we, uh, as I said, I'm with the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for more revival. And as we relaunched the campaign in 2018, we took that song up um, as a way of teaching the history of the original Poor People's Campaign and using, you know, music as one way to connect those histories and to ground ourselves. And and so th this is actually a remix that we we redid. We had artists from around the country uh, this past year as we got ready for the Moral March on Washington that we just did on June 20th um, and had artists take that 1968 song and, and do different versions of it because the core message of it, I think, is so, so relevant for us today, um, knowing that, you know, in so many ways that our society isn't valuing human life and we're really calling out to say, you know, that everybody has a right to live um, and that we have to ensure that in the work that we're doing to build this movement. Well, that's well said. And certainly uh, we thank you for uh, giving us, uh, introducing our listeners uh, to this selection. And it with it goes a piece of history. And, uh, you know, we can, as much as we know about history and as much as we know about music, we don't, we never know everything. And certainly you can always learn something new and and that is the epitome of why we're here and uh people are involved in social uh movement is because people have a right to uh live and they have a right to have a certain quality of life so we thank you dr rebar for joining with us today i met uh her a uh, few months back at the beginning of the year as uh the Cairo Center was having an event in Manhattan, and my brother and I went over there, and I happened to be in her uh, class for uh, the morning session. And so um, God always connects us to the right people at the right times. So, um, so you told us uh, where you are, you're uh, the director, co-director for cultural arts and the director of cultural uh, strategies. And so tell us, how did you get involved in this uh, social justice, religious uh, work? Yeah, I guess it's a little bit of a journey, um, but I, I, I'll, I'll try to make it a little short. <laughs> um, okay. But I grew up in a small town in uh, just north of Pittsburgh, a small steel town. And I grew up Roman Catholic, um, and, you know, most of my family worked in the steel mills there um, until they closed in 1985, uh, and I was five years old at the time. And so, like many Rust Belt towns, I kind of saw the deterioration of our community uh, over those years. Um, and yet, at the same time, you know, being in a strong uh, Catholic community, uh, seeing people take care of one another and, and you know, really lift up uh, the values of Catholic social teaching and, and what it meant to, you know, need to, you know, really take care of people um, and coming out of a union town, you know, still recognizing the importance of, you know, how do we how do we fight for our rights as, as members of a community? Um, though it was harder to do that, I think, as, as people continued to lose their jobs. And I ended up leaving that town uh, largely because, you know, there were less opportunities there as I got older um, and ended up finding myself on a path. Um, I think I was really politicized through uh, liberation theology. When I went to college, I ended up at a Catholic college um, and learned about liberation theology and, and a message of the gospel that was really, you know, about 
what does it mean that Jesus, you know, came to give the good news to the poor, that that was really about, you know, kind of social change and being able to see that the problems our communities were facing were, um, you know, not the fault of any, any one individual, but were really large problems that didn't need to exist. And, and that the gospel was teaching us that if we actually followed God's commandments, that these problems wouldn't exist in our society. And I, I ended up at Union Theological Seminary um, in New York City. Uh, for my master's. And at that time, uh, it was also the first year of the Poverty Initiative, which is the precursor organization to the Cairo Center, where I work now. Um, And we were founded in 2004. Um, And that that work really came out of a history of of poor folks organizing in this country, especially in the 80s and 90s, uh, of a movement called the National Union of the Homeless, which was poor homeless families that were becoming homeless because of really deindustrialization and the loss of jobs <clears throat> and a, a, in the welfare rights movement. And so I was lucky enough to meet folks that had, had been organizing for years um, and seeing kind of this, this trend of growing poverty in this country while great abundance, you know, in terms of the economy was continuing to grow and, and what that contradiction was. And so, yeah, as I, I started my MDiv and, and, and found this community that was organizing across the country uh, with poor and low-income folks and trying to, to bring together um, and, and recognizing that, you know, any small victories that we were able to win, uh, whether, you know, there was a, a program that was able to win housing for, for a bunch of folks in Philadelphia, but they found that the more housing they won, the more people were still becoming homeless. Um, and really what was going to be needed was a mass social movement. Um, and so I've been doing this work since about 2004 uh, with that community. And in 2014, we actually came together uh, uh, with Reverend Dr. Barber, um, Bishop Barber, in the Moral Mondays movement in North Carolina. We met um, and the work that we've been doing with the Cairo Center and our network of, of poor folks across the country that were poor farm workers and folks fighting for universal health care and uh, folks, you know, fighting, uh, youth fighting against the school to prison pipeline. Um, we came together with the with Reverend Barber and the Moral Mondays movement as we were approaching the 50th anniversary of the Poor People's Campaign and said, you know, we need to, to take this back up um, and to relaunch this work. And, and so that's been my journey um, over the last 16 years of really seeing how you know, what I, what I embodied in my faith was living this out and building what Dr. King talked about as a freedom church of the poor. That That's an awesome and extensive resume and um, you're a very busy person. And um, <laughs> so you, you mentioned something uh, about the liberation uh, gospel. Um, would you say in your opinion that most people that uh, are affiliated with a church, whatever their uh, denomination is, are they, familiar with the liberation gospel? I found actually that a lot of people aren't. um, And I think it's one of the things that within the poor people's campaign, you know, one of, one of the the five evils that we talk about is, is addressing the distorted moral narrative, um, especially in this country and, and the ways that, you know, we've seen, you know, Christian nationalism be used in this country. And, there's, there's a lot of ways that I think, you know, what is at the heart of the gospel um, and what is at the heart of the Bible broadly, you know, is this liberative message. Um, you know, it is a release of the captive and is the good news to the poor. It is the, you know, feeding, healing the sick and feeding the poor. And, and yet I think what, what oftentimes um, 
you know, I think we we don't actually talk much about poverty actually somehow in, in a lot of, uh, you know, Christian church. Um, and, and if we do, you know, sometimes it's, it's often about charity, but it's not necessarily about really recognizing, you know, kind of the, the jubilee texts that lie at the heart of, of the Bible um, and that call us to to really be able to, to change all of society. And that's really what liberation theology, um, you know, coming out of the sixties, but I think it has a much longer tradition in social movements um, was really taking up of the need to, to see the structural issues are part of like our call that we have to actually address the structural issues um, and not just see that poverty is something natural. It's actually saying that there needs to be no, like poverty doesn't need to exist. Um, and yet, you know, in this society, I think, and in, in Christian churches, sometimes I think we somehow take it for granted that as um, one of my, you know, colleagues, Reverend Dr. Lizzie O'Harris has taken up in her book, you know, the poor will always be with you is, is, a, is a quote that is, you know, is shared across many religious traditions. People will, will use that quote to say, like, well, it's just natural that poverty exists. Um, but mm-hmm. she's actually done a lot of work with that text to say that text points back to Deuteronomy and actually is a, is a text that says, you know, if we follow God's commandments, poverty will be ended. And so Jesus was actually referencing that, um, you know, and and so I think that's what we have to take up in our churches. And, and yet I think we, we rarely actually take on those texts in a meaningful way. Awesome. So um, because many people aren't familiar uh, with the actual uh, movement or they may have heard about, have heard about it, um, tell us uh, how would someone get involved with the Poor People's Campaign and what does, what does it have to offer the community and the nation and world at large? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the easiest way to check out the Poor People's Campaign, we do have a pretty uh, helpful website and you can go to www.poorpeoplescampaign.org and right on the homepage is a way to sign up for the campaign, but you can also read and learn more about the campaign there. Um, But what happens when you sign up for the campaign is we are a state-based national campaign, which means we have folks in over 42 states that are organizing. And so when you sign up, what happens is is your information will actually get directed to folks in your state. Um, And and those local folks will actually be able to reach out to you and connect and you'll be, you know, able to not just follow what's happening nationally, but actually meet other people in your state um, that you can be organizing with. And so, for instance, in New York State, we have um, people active in nine regions across the state, um, including New York City and Long Island. Um, And so if you would sign up for New York State, you know, we would actually get your information um, and be able to reach out and let you know about some of the upcoming, you know, meetings and and activities and what kind of, or you know, um, it ranges anything from, you know, whether people are going out for marches in this moment or, you know, some, some churches are actually taking up like the study of the poor people's campaign and then getting their congregations active in the campaign. Uh, There are folks that are doing things, what we call projects of survival um, where, you know, we have folks that run food pantries um, and are doing work against, you know, uh, evictions in this moment, especially as as folks have have lost their jobs um, and are fighting, you know, to keep their, their housing um, and, and prevent from being evicted in this moment. 
So there's there's a lot of different activity that is connected to the Poor People's Campaign, and 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 we when we talk to you, you know, it's helped we can figure out how best to connect and, and what your interests are and, and what your gifts are, um, you know, and, and those are those are some of the ways I, I will also offer, you know, including music, you know, we have a, an arts and culture team um, and that is an important part of, you know, how we sustain ourselves. And so we also have committees that work on arts and culture and political education and community care teams. So there's so many ways actually to get involved. Um, and so we're excited as, as folks get to learn more about the mission of the campaign, that there are a lot of different ways to, to really plug in. Awesome. So we do encourage everyone to reach out to, what is the website? Again. Uh, poorpeoplescampaign.org. Right. So reach out to campaign.org uh, and you can get involved, definitely get involved. Uh, and you talked about, you mentioned um, uh, something about the movement. You mentioned the five evils. Um, can you explain to us what that actually is? Sure. Yeah. So uh, we picked up on the 1968 uh, poor people's campaign and what Dr. King was talking about at the end of his life of looking at the, he called them the triple evils of racism, poverty, and militarism, and seeing how you couldn't get rid of one without getting rid of the other. And as we've moved into, you know, this time, we also have realized um, as we went around the country and were organizing with uh, poor and dispossessed folks, we we also added ecological devastation, realizing how how much the that reality and this, this environmental crisis is impacting poor communities. And so that's the fourth evil. And then as we were just talking about um, the distorted moral narrative, I think that we, we've added that piece on because how we frame this conversation on these evils um, and how, how we understand the problem really shapes the solutions we put forward. And, and so we have to address a distorted narrative that is saying that poor people are to blame for their poverty, um, you know, and so we've, we see these five interlocking evils as being, you know, what, what prevents us from really being able to, to accomplish justice and to, to be able to live into the promise of our constitutional rights in this country. Um, and so we take on those five evils in most, you know, almost all the different ways that we're organizing, including um, most recently, we launched the Poor People's Moral Justice Jubilee Policy Platform. That's a mouthful, I know, <laughs> but you can check okay. it out on the website. Um, and it's really about our legislative and policy priorities for the campaign. And it's a very comprehensive platform that takes on all of those evils and, and, and is able to break them down into saying, you know, how do we actually address, you know, poverty, racism, militarism, and ecological devastation through, like, it's not just you know, um, interpersonal problems of poverty, but there are systemic policies that are, you know, killing our folks and, and creating impoverishment for our folks. And so we need to also look at it on that legislative and policy level. And so um, that platform, you know, you can go through and, and, and look at uh, how, how we're really taking this on as a whole. And it's not just one, one small demand that we're making, but we're, as we say, we're really demanding it all because we know it's possible. Um, and, and one more piece I'll share is we, we base this on, um, you know, an audit that we did um, and a moral budget that we did. Um, and so we basically, you know, took a, an assessment from 1968 till now and said, you know, how has, how has this moment changed over these last 50 years? 
are things better or are they worse? What we found are things have gotten worse for many people. But we also looked at, you know, what does our economy look like? And we've realized that our economy has actually continued to thrive. And so in, in looking at that, we say, well, what is this disconnect that we have over 140 million people that have become impoverished in this country, and yet we have, you know, the amount of resources needed to actually end these problems. And so in making those comparisons, we've then put this policy platform together to say we need to reprioritize actually what our budget is to be able to actually address that everyone could have, you know, quality education, that everyone can have housing, that everyone can have a guaranteed income, but it's that we've had missed priorities in this country. And so Mm -hmm. that's what this policy platform reflects. Awesome. Um, Well said. So uh, for those uh, that have just uh, joined us, we are with uh, Dr. Sharon Rebar, and she is representing today the Poor People's Campaign and also uh, the Kairos uh, Center. And we'll talk a little bit about the Kairos Center. Uh, but um, this, um, our number here in studio is 619-924-0800, 619-924-0800. If you have a question that you'd like to share with us, um, we are going to take a break. Uh, this selection says our hands. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So our hands is a, another movement song. Um, and so in our, in our work, we both pull from um, old songs that, you know, continue to link this long tradition of social justice music um, and create new songs. And this is a new song that myself and Lou Aya of the Peace Poets wrote um, and is, you know, is really um a mantra and a, and a marching song um, that talks about if we can reach for justice, um, that, you know, we're able to, if we're able to organize, um, that we will be able to meet, um, meet the needs of our people. Um, and that if we all just get in sync and, and are reaching together, that, that we can reach equality. Okay. So here it is, listeners, our hands. Stay tuned. Our hands will reach 
we're back once again. You're listening to Global Gospel. Our number is 619-924-0800. Dr. Sharon Rebar is with us representing the Poor People's Campaign. And so um, just listening to the music, it does appeal to a younger audience. Uh, what would you have um, the young people know? There are so many young people um, out here with a lot of different movements, and many times they have... Um, the right idea and something that was said about organization, but they just don't have the right organization to what they're doing. But what is your advice to uh, the young people that are perhaps not involved in a movement or that are involved in a movement coming from a perspective such as yourself, which represents a younger audience? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really amazing to see so many young people really lifting up their voices in this moment. Um, And one of my mentors, Willie Baptist, um, you know, he is in his 60s now, but he came out of the Watts uprisings, um, you know, and he was 17 at the time. And in many ways, I I think about his journey um, and, you know, how, how young folks being politicized in this moment, you know, how, how can we reach them? And, and I think he, he's talked about, you know, that in, in, in being part of the What's Uprisings, what, you know, what he's learned along the way of how important it is uh, for organization and for leadership development to be at the heart of what drives, you know, the organizing work that folks are doing in a movement. And so as young people are, you know, getting involved, how important that is to find, um, you know, a collectivity and to be able to, um, I think, be in conversation with one another and with, you know, movement elders and to be able to learn lessons uh, both in the moment because we talk about the struggle is our school. And so we are constantly learning things as we are trying different things out. But we also have the opportunity to learn from the history of, of the movements that have come before us. And so I think it's always, um, as, as Willie will say, you know, you're walking on two legs. And so, you know, while the activity and, and the conditions are going to drive people into this moment and into activity, that we also take the time um, and and have the space to reflect on what's happening and to be able to draw out lessons from uh, movements that have come before us and to be able to bring that to light in this moment. Um, and so for, for young folks, I think, you know, that, that takes many forms um, of, of being able to create space for political education and to create space. I mean, even the way we use music is, is a means of political education as well. Um, and so, um, you know, that, that, that is, there is space for that. And it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's not going to be a, it's not a sprint, as we say, it's, it's going to be a marathon to, in how <laughs> social change happens, right? <laughs> and so, you know, there's, there's ways that, that because if people are out there every day, you know, that, that it's, it's, you know, it's tiring, and it's, it's a lot. Um, um, and we have to be able to uh, create ways that can sustain ourselves and know what we're up against. Um, and what we're up against isn't, you know, we're not going to win immediately. Um, as Frederick Douglass said, you know, uh, power concedes nothing without struggle, and that struggle is going to be a long struggle. Um, and so knowing that and, and how movements develop in stages. And so, you know, there, there are times in history where the activity, you know, you will grow the movement by years in a very short amount of time, and yet other times it'll be a much more protracted struggle. And so we have to find that balance and, and use opportunities to, to reflect. Um, on the moment to know how we move forward. Right. And because a lot of times there is a disconnect between the generations, it's just, 
I guess it's just natural when you're dealing with different age groups and different generations and to get people to uh, work together and sometimes to understand each other. It can be challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, before, uh, because we are uh, coming down to the close of our hour, um, you mentioned about one of your mentors. Now, who would you like to shout out on today and who has helped you along this journey? Yeah, I could, I mean, there are so many people, I have to say, movement building is definitely not an island of one. Um, and so <laughs> I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I do shout out, uh, again, Willie Baptist um, and Reverend Dr. Lizzie O'Harris have been my mentors for the last 16 years and really brought me into a movement family and network that, you know, I can shout out so many others of, of leaders across this country that have been in this work for decades. And, um, you know, from like, as I mentioned, the two movements that I think have really have really, um, you know, grown me as a leader um, were the national uh, home, the, excuse me, (laughs) the Union of the Homeless, um, as well as the Welfare Rights uh, Union, both of those histories and and the mothers and fathers of those movements um, have really taught me so much about what it means to to build a movement uh, from the ground up and to build a movement that is led by those most impacted. And as a, a, you know, a, a phrase that we say in the movement, if we lift from the bottom, everybody rises and, and really taking that to heart and what that means to believe in the leadership of our people um, and to really be grounded in knowing that, you know, if we actually organize our society around the, the, what the needs of folks being most impacted are that we could actually, you know, reverse and change the whole society. And, and that really, that that's what will create the kind of, you know, equality that we claim to strive for. Well said. Um, well said. And so, uh, yes, it does take, uh, it does take a team a collection of people to, in order to uh, get the job done. Uh, I just want to mention as well um, the Cairo Center. Can you tell us a little bit about the Cairo Center? Yeah, the Cairo Center, um, we have launched in 2015. um, And as I mentioned, we actually were, the former organization uh, was the the Poverty Initiative, um, which has been in existence since 2004. And so the Poverty Initiative became a program of the Cairo Center in 2015, um, but that work, we are housed out of Union Theological Seminary, um, and our mission since the beginning has really been about bringing together religious and community leaders uh, to build a broad social movement to end poverty led by the poor. And um, we were founded, you know, in many ways because we recognized throughout history the role that religious communities have played in social movements um, and recognize the need in this time for, you know, religious communities to really be speaking out and, and to actually be, you know, building a network that could connect with the organizing that was happening on the ground um, in, you know, poor and low-income communities and, and how to build those bridges and, and recognizing that in many of our churches, you know, um, you know, that they're one place that poor people turn to and that many poor people are in you know, churches and, and religious communities. And so 
how can and and what was at the heart of of our religious traditions is a you know a vision for justice and so how do we bring all of that together and have that guided by you know the work of of those who are organizing in poor and low income communities so that's that's really been our mission since our founding in 2004 um and as we've moved into 2015 with the launch of the Cairo Center, we were also calling out <clears throat> the importance of recognizing human rights in our work um, and knowing that, you know, that people have um, deep uh, rights of economic and social and political rights that oftentimes are not being acknowledged and so that we need to draw on both these longstanding religious traditions and, and also, you know, these constitutional values that how do we bring those together um, and and put those forward. And so the work of the Cairo Center, um, you know, has, has really been about developing leaders, um, again, both in religious communities and in grassroots uh, organizing communities, and building a network of leaders that have a shared understanding of what the problems are, and are able to share lessons of what the organizing <clears throat> that they're doing in their communities um, are so that we can strengthen that organizing um, and and become more powerful in, in doing that in a way and um, you know that wasn't just our our own little battle but like that was taking on something broader and so it's really a network of leaders across this country that belong to the mm -hmm. Cairo Center even though we're housed at Union um, we're a much broader um, grouping of people that are that are in many fronts of struggles across this country. Awesome, awesome. So. Uh, we want our listeners to know that, listen, there are uh, grassroots organizations out there that you can join uh, in with the struggle. Uh, I believe the saying said, no struggle, no progress. And certainly um, we are trying to move forward in the midst of um, global pandemic poverty as well. I didn't mention the pandemic, but uh, the, what is the response uh the, uh, because I have been listening to several different things, but briefly, uh, we have about 10 minutes left, um, the response to our global pandemic as um, covered by the Poor People's Campaign. Yeah, I mean, I think as we recognize that we're in kind of multiple crises, we've talked about, you know, that in, in many ways, poor folks were, were in a crisis before the pandemic hit, and that's only being exasperated by this crisis and who's being most impacted by the pandemic. Um, right. And knowing that, you know, and we haven't in this country created a real, um, you know, a health response to this pandemic, that we still aren't pushing for universal health care. And in fact, you know, there are many states that are actually trying to cut Medicaid in the midst of a global pandemic. And so, um, you know, we're, we're recognizing that. We're also recognizing that unemployment numbers have continued to increase uh, during this pandemic. And we know that there was already a recession coming before the pandemic hit. And again, the pandemic has only exasperated that. And, and we're, we're coming towards even a greater economic crisis. And so, you know, we see that these are overlapping crises that we continue to, to lack a, a real political response to. And so from the campaign's perspective, we have to continue to put pressure on our government to actually put forward a, a response that is going to meet the needs of our people, you know, rather than you know, trying to just piecemeal, you know, the response that that we have 
you know, closed hospitals that can be reopened in rural communities that can meet people's needs. We can have universal health care that people are getting the kind of resources and not worrying about if they can go to the hospital because they're afraid that they, you know, won't be able to pay the bills on the other end of it. Um, in, in terms of unemployment, we know that that's causing, you know, a house, it's going to cause a housing crisis, right? Um, because not wow. only are people not making the income, but they're not going to be able to pay the bills afterwards. And so we see the ripple effects of this. And so, again, we can't have just small piecemeal, you know, the CARES Act was completely inadequate. And we have to have mm-hmm. an actual, you know, systematic response to the problem that we're facing. And it's a problem that was already existing before the pandemic. Awesome. Well, once again, we thank you, uh, Dr. Sharon Rebar, for joining us today and representing the Poor People's Campaign, uh, for representing the Cairo Center, for representing youth, and representing those that are uh, involved in the social justice movement and the fight for equal rights and civil rights and um, those that subscribe to the liberation gospel, because um, that is a a message in itself that uh, so that that is lacking from so many of our houses of worship. Uh, people just are not liberated. Yes, we are taught to um, love God and that God loves us, but certainly Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And so some of us are seeking for that abundant life. So we thank you for sharing with us on today. I would like at this time, if you just give us um your closing remarks, and if you'd like to close us out in a word of prayer, uh, that is your choice as well. Yes, I just want to thank you, Reverend Townsend, for having me um, and for letting me share with folks on this program. Um, Right now, we need all of us uh, to be responding in this moment Um, and, you know, it, it really is going to take a a massive shift in consciousness um, and a, a massive growth of our coming together. And we really do have to come together in this time if we're going to see the kind of change that we know is needed, but we also know is possible. And I'd actually like to uh, buy wor- a word of prayer, actually share a song as a closing prayer. Um, and it's a song that was written by uh, a friend and comrade, Keith, Keisha Soleil, um, and it's it's actually an evolution of songs, as many are, um, that was first uh, a poem by June Jordan, and then a song uh, that many may know, um, We Are the Ones uh, by Sweet Honey and the Rock, and then this is a version that, that Keisha wrote um, for this time, and it says, we are the ones we've been waiting for, and so I'll, I'll close with this. We are the ones we've been waiting for, our spirits cry, and our hearts rejoice. We are the ones we've been waiting for, our spirits cry, and our hearts rejoice. All we need is each other, only then will our people recover. All we need is each other, 
me then will our people recover. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you, uh, Dr. Sharon Rebar, for sharing with us. Thank you, all of our listeners. We encourage you to listen to Global Gospel every Saturday from 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel. We are here every Saturday from 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. If perhaps you missed any of the show on uh, today, this episode, as we discuss the Poor People's uh, Campaign and the social justice movement uh, for all of our uh, rights and uh, liberties and uh, living up to the liberation gospel, uh, we can invite you to sign on immediately following this episode at 2 p.m. And certainly you will be able to listen to the entire episode in its entirety and receive instruction and re- receive uh, instruction on how to get involved in the movement because everybody should be involved. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our listeners. Once again, tell us who you are. Uh, Dr. Sharon Rivar from the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for more revival in the Cairo Center um, in New York City. God bless you. Until next week. To give, it's the reason the Father gave His Son. It's the reason the Savior gave His all for us. He gave His all for us. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you I'm in love with you I'm gonna tell the world The Father's love. Who can define? Unconditional.
with you. Anybody love him tonight? Somebody proclaim, what can separate me? What can separate me from your love? What can? What can separate me from your love? Your love? What can? What can separate me from your love? Your love? Anybody know the answer? Nothing. Who believes it tonight? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Yes, nothing. Why? Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.